Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. My name is Colleen Dietz. Join me and my guests each week for an entertaining recap of the hottest topics in Mormonism. We keep tabs on social media and headline news so you don't have to. Don't miss our life pro tips as you adjust to your new and exciting post-Mormon life. Mormon Happy Hour is here to bring you the irreverent side of Mormonism, wherever you may be. Hey, y'all, and welcome to a bonus episode. This is episode 39. It's kind of an in-between episode because I have so much material I want to bring to you that I'm just running out of time in my weekly episodes to get it all out to you. So this I'm doing is kind of an in-between. Be watching on Patreon, those of you who are subscribed, for even more bonus content. And please forgive my congestion right now at the moment. I promise during the interview is the pre-sick me, so it's fine. And thank you so much to those of you who have been reaching out to me with ideas and desires for the show. You are such an inspiration. And collaborating with listeners is incredibly rewarding. So I love hearing what you're interested in and having you be part of the creative experience. I have two projects that I want to share with you that are 100% listener-driven. One I'm planning for the next episode, episode 40. And the only spoiler that you're going to get is that my desire is to bring to you some techniques to enhance your conversations with believing friends and family members in regards to spiritual beliefs. I know that's something that I need help with. It's something that I always struggle uh, executing successfully. I've had so many conversations just end in complete and utter disaster. And I take most of the blame for not having the tools necessary to have conversations. So hopefully this will help me and the rest of you a little bit in having better conversations and better relationships in your life with believers. And second, I have a total treat for you, and I don't want to ruin it too much, but if you're in the Mormon Happy Hour Facebook group and you saw me ask about a certain Netflix short series that I just watched, that's coming up, and I am active in research and collaboration right now to make sure that it is rich and full of insight. That's all. That's all the spoiler I'm going to give you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the Facebook group. Maybe you can watch it before the episode airs. Eh, eh, Maybe, maybe. So today I have a wonderful conversation with two dear friends that I've had on the show before lots, but I brought them together for the first time. And I think we do enough introductions in the conversation, so I'll let you just listen. But before we jump into that, I did want to say that I have not overlooked the pain that conference, especially the talk given by Elder Oaks, has caused in the LGBT and queer community. And I'm granting a little bit longer for those I love that have been hurt to heal before I ask them to share on the show. The level of condemnation spoken by these leaders, it's inexcusable, it's damaging, and these words are literally a matter of life and death. So give me some time. I want to have this discussion, but the wounds are fresh, and I don't want to dig in until the time is right. Just know that I hear you, and I'm with you. I was born queer, and it's been a painful experience for me to learn to just be okay with all of me. So it's coming. I hope, (laughs) but I am holding a place for 
for healing before I jump in. Thanks so much. Here you go. Here's a bonus episode. Welcome back to Mormon Happy Hour. Today I have both Marie Kent from My Book of Mormon podcast and I have Leslie Butterfield who does so many things but I really love her work on unrighteousdominion.org and one of the great things about doing what I do and being plugged into this community of wonderful people is I get to meet wonderful women and then I get to bring them together. That's exciting. So please not only meet these two women, but these two women are meeting each other for the first time today, and we're going to have a hell of a time. So I'm going to turn the time over to Marie really quickly. She can introduce herself and then Leslie, and then Leslie is going to take charge for a little bit. She's going to run our show today. Are we ready? Marie? I'm ready. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Marie Kent of My Book of Mormon podcast. And if you've never heard of me, I'm a Nevermo, but man, I cannot get enough of watching the Mormon church. And I know that I'm not supposed to call it the Mormon church. I'm tempting Satan with a nickname, offending Satan with a nickname. Yes. But clearly we're here to talk about General Conference. And so I saw that when my Twitter feed blew up. (laughs) But my role on the show today is to be the Nevermo who has read literally all of your primary documents. So the Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, Book of Abraham. Uh, we just finished the Doctrine and Covenants and we're currently reading through the lectures on faith while drinking because let's be reasonable. You got to do that. If you're going to be reading through all that. And I, I know that General Conference is amazing on many levels in many different ways, both good and bad. And so I was thrilled when Colleen called me to say, hey, Leslie's going to be on today. Can you join me? Because I, I saw Leslie, I saw you at Sunstone and I was like, ah, and I I was like, I was too nervous to introduce myself. And then we kind of interacted a tiny bit. And then I was like, oh, I think that was her. And so I'm thrilled to meet you in person over the internet here. And please, (laughs) Leslie, tell me more about yourself because thus far you are amazing. And I already (laughs) adore you. Oh, thank you. And just a disclaimer, for anyone that I totally walked right on by at Sunstone, I totally apologize because that's what happened. Um, I'm really not a brat or anything. I just, I don't know. I, I <laughs> There were a thousand problems. people there. It, there were there so were, many people going back and forth. It was I great. Know. And it's like nerve wracking when you're presenting and you're going every which way and trying to coordinate things. So anyway, I'm, I was so happy that you said that you saw me there and you forgave me for <laughs> not saying hi to you because I didn't know who you were. So, um, I mean, I knew who you were, but yeah, I, didn't I knew who you were too. Like we'd never officially met anyway. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful to meet you. Um, what do you, let's see, do you want me to introduce myself a bit or yeah, I guess that people already probably know I've been on your podcast several times. Um, I am a writer, so I write for a few different blogs here and there, mostly about feminist patriarchy, um, smashing, you know, kind of stuff. And I do a podcast called Mormon Women Speak with Rational Faiths on the Rational Faiths platform, uh, just to give a women's voice to some of the issues within Mormonism, um, in or out, black or white, whatever, somewhere in between. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about conference. It's 
certainly has sort of lived up to the hype, I feel like, that has been going around the internet. Have you all heard the quote, like, this conference is going to be, you know, a blizzard compared to the snowflake that it, that last conference was in terms of revelation and changes? And yeah. I can't. I hadn't heard that, but that sounds like a terrible metaphor. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and well, I mean, not only is it kind of a terrible metaphor, but it really, I don't know if it really lived up to the, the hype either no. so much. I'm going to say so, no. Um, right, right. Yeah. yeah, we have the two hour church change. Um, so it's going to be a two hour block instead of a three hour. And thank goodness. I've been to church once and that was three hours. I'm never going to get back. But now since it's two hours, I feel like I need to go back a second time just to experience the difference. Right. And, and it's kind of interesting. Like, don't you wonder Colleen how it works? Cause I was raised in a three hour block and it was, it's been the same my whole life. And I'm kind of like, I wonder how this two hour business is even going to work. It's going to be so different. It feels, it feels different. I don't know. I'm not excited about it. Not that I'm ever going to go, but I'm sad about it. And I mean, zero zero hours of church is always better than three, but I just don't like the two because I was never a fan of sacrament meeting. I hate it. Not a fan. Sunday school was lame. Uh, I was really into Relief Society. Guess that's me and my feminist roots, but I really enjoyed the, the community. I enjoyed being real and, and feeling like my voice mattered within the group of Relief Society. Like, I guess I didn't, I wasn't aware of how I felt as a woman when I was there, but looking back, how much I loved Relief Society really let me know how silenced I felt and how insignificant I felt in every other meeting except for Relief Society, where I could be a person and I could have value. And I, I was part of the Relief Society presidency for two separate presidencies. And then before that, I, had, I was a long-term teacher. So I was very involved in Relief Society, and it was my jam. And now that it's only going to be, like, every other, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not even – I wouldn't even go. The weeks that it's not Relief Society, but, like, I'm staying home. I'm sad about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of interesting how they're doing the youth program. Um, too. So like young men, young women, like the individual youth will be every other week, just like priesthood slash Relief Society. And then Sunday school will be on the off weeks. Mm-hmm. So it, it is, it's interesting. I've, I've heard a little bit of some pushback regarding divorced parents when yeah. they share custody. And uh, yes, as the divorced parent, granted, my kids don't go to church, but it's like, but that means like either my kids would always go or they would never go. Like they would absolutely missed 50% of the entire church experience just by the nature of a, cu- a totally normal custody agreement. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm a divorced parent too. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the, the arrangement that we have. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I'm like, oh, so my kids, they might miss um, Sunday school or they're going to miss the youth, you know, the young men, young women when they get older. Primary to my understanding is the same where it's like, a 25 minute uh, full primary experience in the room with every, with all the kids and then a 25 minute classroom teaching. Yeah. So that's every a little week. bit, you know, right, right. And I, I'm sorry, but if I, I've been a primary teacher and that is like the biggest gift ever to only have to be in the classroom for 25 minutes 
I mean, that's wonderful. Where, I mean, before it was 50, you know, 50 minutes or 40 minutes. It was very, very long, especially for little kids. Yeah. So yeah, that was, I think that's a positive change. I don't know. Oh, that's good. That's a good point. Right. Right. And in bringing up, I've heard discussion in bringing up some of the reasons that they might've made these changes. I have heard, and my personal kind of feeling is that um, they're kind of going more mainstream Christian, like trying to blend in more with the mainstream Christian church where they shorten their church. You know, they're going to center on Christ. They're going to have kind of a one size fits all curriculum. They're very insistent on the name, you know, putting Christ in the name of the church and the changes last conference where they're calling the visiting teacher, uh, home teacher program, ministering companionships or ministering partners. Um, those are all very reminiscent. I feel like of mainstream Christianity religions or different, you know, churches so that was kind of my feeling on why they might be doing it to blend in a little bit more and be less uh, stigmatized, maybe. Mm-hmm. But when I when I brought that up with people that were very much in the church um, and happy about the changes as well, because I wasn't saying anything bad about them, they sort of said, "No, this is because you know it's revelation because." This is what the prophet does is he receives revelation and all of those, you know, the millennial problem that the millennial population is sort of rejecting Mormonism and kind of doing it their own way anyway. And the, the need to, you know, have more qualities that fit mainstream Christian churches, those are all just bonuses. Like that's why God revealed this. And I'm like, no, they're doing studies and they take the data and they look at this. And I feel like that's why they're doing this. You know? <laughs> Do they so. think that God just changes his mind when it's convenient for us here on earth or something? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is a fascinating point of view. Huh? Well, it's, it's, when, okay. it's when we're spiritually prepared to receive it, Marie. <laughs> she oh. just gave me a blank stare by the way <laughs> but, uh, see this is why I'm along for the ride because whenever I oh, like just I feel like I just get to listen in on these conversations and I'm like but but it's so from my perspective like I was raised Baptist and like I had the, you know the Lutheran friends and the Catholic friends and all of the traditional like the Presbyterian friends like all of the traditional Christian denominations I'm like making air quotes which I know that podcast listeners can't hear but traditional that it's always a half hour of Sunday school so like primary as you guys would call it and then the regular church service which you guys I think you call sacrament meeting Mm -hmm. and so the big um, conundrum in my little social circle growing up was well my, ch- well, my church has Sunday school first, and then it has the church service. Oh, but mine has the church service first, and then the Sunday school. Oh, your church is doing it wrong. And, like, that was the big thing. Like, it was never a question of more than two hours, because, oh, honey, it is always two hours for everyone. <laughs> well, right. see, Mormons were more righteous until just this past weekend. They were more righteous. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming back to our level? Oh, Excellent. Welcome, everyone. 
to my level. <laughs> well, it was kind of, it's interesting because a lot of people were applauding the changes and, you know, they were saying, oh, it's one last hour of church. And I'm like, yeah, well, for those of us that, you know, really don't attend anymore, you're, you're halfway there. Like, take <laughs> this feeling of picking up your one hour of church and think about just not, not doing it at all and how that would, you know, I'm like, good job, you know? I mean, and I, I, I do not attend church right now for several reasons, but mostly because it is not a safe place. So I want to say that I'm not making light of it. I want to make very clear that the reason I don't attend church is because it's not a safe place for me as a single mother with, you know, small children, I would very much enjoy and count on that community, but the, our safety, you know, is really number one. And in, for me, in my situation, it's not a safe place. It's not a healthy place right now. Um, and so that's kind of, one thought that I had when I have seen people sort of celebrate the one last hour of church um, and really remark on how positive it is to be at home with your families for that third hour. Mm -hmm. um, and all the while I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I've already, I've already set that own, my own boundary. I've already set that boundary in my own family um, a, while, a while ago. So yeah, and if we want to pivot from it not being a safe place, um, we can get into kind of it being spiritually abusive and there being subversive and and really even overt spiritual abuse going on in the church, specifically in regards to this conference. I feel like that was very much kind of the case. Yeah, so, yeah let's do that. Okay, okay. So one of the uh, problematic things, I guess, was... President Nelson gave the women a challenge to fast on, off of social media for 10 days. And this same challenge was not given to men. And I, I don't know if there was a real solid reason for it. It seems like we have one of these social media fasts like every four months that kind of is instituted uh, by the leadership of the church somehow in some form or another. Um, so yeah, I found that really interesting. It was only in the women's session, which happened this year. Usually it's flip-flop or from now on, it's kind of flip-flop. So the men will go to their session in six months. The women go on the off six months. So this was the women's turn and that is what was said. Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of things, if I was still a very active member as a single mom, I do a lot of business online. I have a lot of side hustles. That's where I make my ends meet, you know? And um, that feels violating. It feels violating because many women in Mormonism are sort of encouraged, very much encouraged to stay at home, be stay at home mothers. Um, child rearing is kind of like the most important goal which also Elder Oaks talks about. Maybe we can get into that. But um, the, the women's ability to nurture and raise a family and have this like quiet dignity sort of is how he put it, um, is the, the thing that brings us the most joy. And that's Elder Oaks telling us this, <laughs> uh, telling the women. But the problem with the social media fast is it's not just 
looking on the social media for whatever's on Pinterest and the cute thing. Like it's also community and like as you, I'm also a single mother and there are times when it is 11 PM and one of my kids is barfing and I'm having one of these things like, I think my kid is okay. Cause it's probably just get the random stomach bug, but I don't know. So what do I do? I reach out to my online community that is worldwide for me. And I'm sure for many of our listeners that I know someone's going to be awake and it could be as simple as I am up at 2 AM with my screaming infant. And I just need someone to tell me that someday I will sleep again. And <laughs> there is value to that. And so the leadership of the church wants to take that comfort away. What's the, what's the benefit for us as women if we can't reach out in our random times of need? I mean, devils, I mean, not devil. Oh, how, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> non, the opposite of devil's advocate, <clears throat> the leaders of the church advocate. <clears throat> Maybe you should be reaching out in prayer during these moments. I don't know. Like it, it's hard because on one hand, I, I would love to set better boundaries in my own life for social media. That's the, and I'm talking like the waste of time on social media, not the community that I have formed, not the, the real support, like that's different. So I'm like, yeah, I get that we need to set more boundaries, but I don't know if a 10 day fast is a good way to set boundaries. Maybe just talk about setting boundaries would, would be more effective and healthier. I don't know. Yeah. Also. I'd just like to throw it out there that maybe men also face the same struggles that women do and that non-binary people do when it comes to social media of just always just scrolling on Facebook to see what that next thing is on. And oh, look at what this person posted on their Instagram feed, Instagram feed. Like everybody struggles with that. It's not just women. Mm-hmm. maybe it's not a problem for the elders of the church because they don't know how to use technology, mm-hmm. but then what are they doing talking about it? Yeah. I'm throwing some shade. I just <laughs> threw some shade. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it is, it's an interesting thing. I don't know where the, what the basis for that was or is, but it seems very pointed and um, yeah, almost a bit uh, diminishing you know, like, I mean, you need to tell women to stay off social media, even if it giving the benefit of the doubt is for their own good to set a boundary, you know, or to be more engaged with your family and, you know, happily engaged in a good cause or serve it, whatever, whatever it is. But then say, like, let's talk about boundaries. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, let's have a a conference Mm -hmm. talk on that instead of like this sort of elementary challenge of staying off social media, Mm -hmm. um, encouraging people to, you know, use their own intellect and, and use your own power that God has given you to make decisions in your life, which that was sort of another thing that, uh, Elder Holland alluded to was, um, when he was talking about the ministering program and, how it's going in the past six months since it's been implemented, he sort of said, you don't need exact directions. You can just go and do this and don't, don't wait for, 
you know, us to tell you A, B, and C, this is what a visit, this is what counts as a visit, this is what counts as, you know, checking the box, you can just do it. And I was like, That's I, I totally am loving this, but it's also in, indicative of a bigger problem that people, people can't make up their mind on their own without having such clear direction, right? Like, well, doesn't everything else have a rule for you? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I, I, and I think that's where it comes from is like, people are like, well, what counts and what do we need, you know, what do we need to do? And I'm like, we, we have, you got to get away from that. It's just not healthy. You, people are not thinking for themselves here. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was another thing that I sort of picked up. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. Do we want to talk about the name change? Sure. I always want to talk about well, yeah. the name change. The, I, the, there was a talk, was it the, the prophet, President Nelson, that was talking about, like, what, Marie alluded to it at the very beginning, how, oh, you're, 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 it's a win for Satan every time you say Mormon, 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 more, oh, man, we're up to, like, three already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's offensive when you do that. It gives Satan power when you say LDS or Mormon. What unless you, unless I'm, there, there are exceptions for it if you're referring to the actual Book of Mormon. So my podcast, my Book of Mormon podcast, I'm totally in the clear. I'm fine. Or, or if you're talking about the actual prophet Mormon, but everything else, just nope. Wow. Okay, so his, so his quote, and I hope I'm getting this right because the transcripts aren't out yet, but he says, using common nicknames such as Mormon Church or LDS Church, or the Church of Latter-day Saints, Nelson said, is a major victory for Satan. When members discard the Savior's name, he said, we are subtly regarding all that Jesus Christ did for us, even his atonement. They're such <laughs> hypocrites. Like, the, <laughs> the, the corporate... <laughs> okay is so void of jesus christ let's just talk about that for like for them to be like oh every time you use mormon oh oh it's a win for satan yeah and i was i think it was a trib the trib article on this revelation because he is calling it a revelation making very clear that this is a revelation and that uh this has been a mistake that has been kind of you know growing with us for decades and we've got to fix it now and and right this wrong and turn this ship around and it sort of like i okay so i'm an advocate for abuse survivors in the church and people who've been dealt with in horrendous ways um illegal ways criminal ways within the church and <laughs> the juxtaposition of these two things i that is very hard for me a more a, a god i don't care if it's a mormon god or whatever god you think you know whatever whatever religion you think heavenly father is i do i have a hard time buying into the fact that he is going to place you know a moniker or a nickname or some type of branding message over and ahead of people who are getting harmed you know, mm -hmm. true abuse mm -hmm. and harm is going on. So that is very hard. That's another sort of um, point of dissonance that I don't see 
mainstream members really picking up on for some reason. Um, well, how are, how can people, how can you go directly from what we were just talking about that you can just kind of make up home visits or this ministering thing just go with the flow. It's fine. But if you use the term Mormon at any point while you're making it up, Satan wins. You are in <laughs> Satan's power. Satan is super powerful, you guys. Uh, like, has Satan just been growing in power such that now God is like, oh, I can't handle this Satan character anymore because this religion has been using the term Mormon for a long time, for a century? Like, is this the typical, is this like the climate change in the restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or possibly Reformed, because it starts with an R sometimes, and I can never remember which one it is? <laughs> like, it's accumulating, and if we don't stop it now, we're going to go over the edge, and then everything will be fire? Is that what's happening? Or am I just making this, this up? I feel like that's a thing. And it's like, now it's, you know, when you, when you give something a name, then you give it power. But now the name Mormon is giving Satan power. Mm-hmm. But Mormon well, is the name of a, like, he was the name of a, a prophet, right? But now yeah, it's- and, and, I, yeah. So, and like, for me, okay, my, my relationship to Mormonism is super complicated. And I talk about this sometimes is that for me, it's as much of a cultural heritage and identity than it is a religion. So yeah. maybe I maybe I take a break from the religion, but I'm not giving up that culture. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's like I'm 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 Mormon. I'm Mormon. And yeah. you're gonna pry it from my cold dead hands. Okay. I'm always gonna be Mormon. So that's really hard. And the and the sort of like cop out of making Satan uh ma- making making Satan happy or ha- Satan having a victory. Like anytime we say oh, the adversary, you know, is rejoicing in your sin. And it's just such a cop-out. It just is like, okay, I'm, we're adults. We don't need to really talk like that. It's sort of like talking about, you know, Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and these things that are, people might really believe in. And and I'm not saying that Satan doesn't exist. I'm I'm not, I don't want to get shade from anyone, but I am saying we have our own choices, okay? Like, like we have to own the choices that we make, and it's not just that Satan tempts us, and so we fall, and then, like, to me, that's not really taking responsibility, mm-hmm. right? It's just not. I don't know. So the whole mm-hmm. the whole Satan is gonna win, and it it's uh, problematic. This dumbfounded look and the silence that I'm giving from over here is that. It, it feels incredibly simple while also being so monumentally complex that I can't figure out what the right decision is here because I, I was obviously, I'm not Mormon. I was never raised it, but I've always like known the term Mormon and I don't like it's, it's it, coming up with the really long official name or just calling it the church. Cause I think you can use just the church now, but in Minnesota, the church doesn't mean anything. Cause they'll say, what, wait, are you talking Lutheran church? Which variant of the Lutheran church are you talking about? Which that doesn't help at all. And so then do you, do I just have to explain the name change, but also remember which variant is the correct one. Right. 
Yeah. Like, I, I, like yeah. I feel like we're all being set up for failure. Either we use the term that we're all comfortable with and Satan wins, or we try to use the correct term and nobody has any idea what we're talking about. And then we end up having to say the names of the, ch- the church that shall not be named because it's a Voldemort situation here, mm-hmm. then Satan wins. But like, everybody's losing. There we go. That's the end of the story. Everyone is losing here. Yeah. And then well, who knows? Maybe it's meant to cause that confusion. Well, yeah. What does that do? But Mormonism, it's all about, I mean, this is kind of cultish, but <clears throat> more, it, it's all about keeping, keeping, the, keeping the woman and the man and all the people, keeping the people down. You'll never be good enough. It, it's like this perfection struggle within Mormonism that you, you go to church and find out that you'll never be good enough. It's like the, the works-based mm-hmm. grace yeah. and the faith-based grace. Like Mormonism is a very works-based grace and you'll never be good enough on your own. That's the doctrine. And so like this kind of reinforces that idea that no matter what you do and how, no matter how hard you try, you're going to slip up and then you'll never be good enough. So now you have to like use, you know, Jesus's atonement because you said the word Mormon on Tuesday at eight 30 and he heard you. It's just stupid. Yeah. And in fact, I wonder if Marie even knows this. We don't, we do not have the hymn amazing grace in our hymnal. You what? We do not have, no. we do not adopt the hymn amazing grace within our hymnal right now. Maybe that will change eventually, but it is for that very what? reason that Colleen alluded to is that we don't like the idea of 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 a grace based faith <sighs> or atonement really or or, or so it's, it's a very complicated and it's it is it's a very complicated thing to think about and huh. oh i because i was raised entirely and you're that you're only saved through the grace of god oh like, yeah. yeah, like works are a good thing and you should always strive to be like Christ because Christ was perfect. But ultimately, if you never choose to ask God to forgive you, then you are definitely going to hell. Like you can live the nicest life, and it, it, but it doesn't matter because it is known that only the grace of God will save you and then we all sing Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't anticipate... Huh was having a, a, a workspace versus grace-based or whatever discussion. But <laughs> one, one of the things <laughs> I that I find so interesting and I don't know, I kind of like now about a faith, faith-based grace is that in a faith-based grace, it's, it's your actual faith that changes your heart. It's the Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, that changes your heart. And it's through that love and that, that devotion to him that your actions change and your life changes and your heart changes whereas in a works-based grace situation which the mormon church is and which this is something i really can't stand about mormonism is that you are compelled through fear to act you are compelled through fear to follow rules it's all fear-based and if you and you'll never make Mm. it up you'll never be good enough there's this hierarchical heaven and these rules and and everything's arbitrary and you never really know where you're going to end up and so it's all this fear about where you're going to end up because you never your heart's never changing you're never acting because out of love you're acting out of fear and i hate that right and shame is like the commodity of mormon culture so but it's like under the table, but you've got to have shame with like this weird dose of humility. And then God. along with what Colleen was saying, right? <laughs> along with what Colleen was saying, it's sort of like, you know, you, um, 
you have to be told to do something. So you have to be assigned a person to visit every month in order to check the box that you're doing your service. And here's a service project, and here's a box for you to check to do the service project. And here is, you know, this other, it's kind of like a very arbitrary list based and being out of it, for, I've been, you know, um, stepped away for, for quite a while now, but I, I do those things. Like I go help a single mother move uh, and leave an abusive relationship and move her household. And I will go and provide a skill that I have to someone who, you know, needs some family photos taken who can't afford it. Or I'll go, um, you know, watch a kid for a mother that needs to go to a doctor appointment or whatever. And I don't, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not posting it all over Facebook, first of all, and Network. saying, you know, here, pat yeah. me on the back. This is what I'm doing. I mean, I'm bragging about on a podcast now, so it's not much better, but I'm really not bragging about, I'm saying, this is what you do when you're just a good person who just yes. is happy with their life and wants to do good in the world, right? <laughs> It feels so much better to do something good because you want to, not because you have to. Exactly. Yeah. It's completely different. And being out, being sort of, my records are still in the church, but I have noticed that, you know, if someone is not actively assigned to me, like as soon as I transfer my records to a different ward, the people who would visit me, like the, the men who would come and help me, whatever, move a refrigerator if I needed it because I'm a single mom that stopped. And like, so did the phone calls and checking in. Wow. And like, oh, it's very weird how just the assignment is sort of the fulfillment. That, that means that you can call that person, you can fulfill that, that check box. But if you're not assigned, then that goes away. So forget, you know, the actual doing a good work or reaching out to someone who you know needs service or who you have a relationship with, who you've given service to before, or whatever, that just kind of dissolves if you're not assigned. It's very... Sad? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't have time to think about it too much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing feels genuine. Uh. Relationships don't feel genuine when, when it's an assignment. And, and it, like she was saying, right. when you notice that it is no longer, that's when the whole assignment and not, you know, emptiness is reinforced. You're like, oh, oh, I get it. That sucks. Yeah. Hmm. So Leslie, yeah. I know that we talked about the ratio between women speaking and men speaking and uh, our favorite website, Missed in Sunday School, he does a breakdown every single conference. And so I will pull up the minutes and the speakers and we can talk about that. Do you have it written down by chance? I do. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, uh, it was a total. So the men mm -hmm. spoke a total of 393 minutes. Okay. There were 29 men, male speakers, seven prayers were given by men. In contrast, we have women 47 minutes total. This includes the women's session, the, the session that only women attend, okay? Uh, four speakers were women, and three prayers were given by women. So, 
you have even in the general women's session, which only women attend, you have three, the majority of the women speakers are in that, that session, but it's not even a majority for that session. So it's even, like you have three women speakers during that session, three male speakers during that session. And then one other, one other woman, and I believe it was on Sunday. Yeah, the Sunday morning session. Where were the prayers so, given? Really, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know when the prayers were given, um, but I was going to point out, really with men, okay, so men aren't attending the women's session. So let's think about our, our Mormon men. How many women ha did they hear from during this conference? One. One. Exactly. What do the men do during the women's session? They watch football. That's why, that's why the women's session is in the fall and the men's session is in the spring because the men are home watching football. <laughs> that's so sexist. I didn't even think about it that way. Oh, yeah. man. I missed that one. No, you know, maybe God had a revelation about it because it's just so convenient for the men and God only has revelations when it's convenient for the church. For the men, you mean? Yeah. For the men of the church, yes. Well, I mean, since the men are the ones that matter, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, <laughs> you have, that's, that's what I'm saying. You have this theme of men speaking for women on behalf of women and speaking to women on behalf of women or for women. And then you have their messages. It's like a double whammy. You have their messages on top of that saying your job is to nurture and we meet, we need more nurturing women we need women to get married younger and we need women to have more kids, which Elder Oaks did say in his talk more articulately, but that was what he said. Um, and it was, he, he very much kind of glazed over, you know, career minded women and women who maybe um, don't find all of their fulfillment in raising a family or having like a family. A traditional family life, um, which is very sad to me. And he, oh, that was another thing. He really um, kind of villainized, I guess, or <sighs> brought up a statistic around unwed mothers. Unwed mothers and women who choose not to have children. And I was like, okay, can we just rewind that and let's say, can we bring up men that maybe abandon a woman that they impregnate? I mean, why, why can't we center it on that instead of like, you know, completely villainizing an unwed mother? I mean, what, this is not the fifties here, you know, like we do not need to do this anymore. Wow. So. Yeah, were, were you two raised with the knowledge that if a woman gets knocked up before she gets pregnant, it's her fault because she didn't use the right birth control and she also tempted the man? Well, birth control was never an option when we were growing up. That's not... Right. Oh, right. okay. Oh, huh. All right. It was basically because she would have been doing things that are unbecoming to a Mormon young woman. Wrong place, ah, okay. wrong time, tempting the wrong men, dressing inappropriately, mm -hmm. behaving inappropriately. Got it. It's all her fault. Yeah. 
Okay. So different variations of the, why it's the woman's fault. Mm-hmm. That's so awful. <laughs> so like all of that and the, and the, the challenge to women other than give, give of yourselves even more, think of yourselves even less is to be silent on social media where you can have the most influence in our internet society. Mm-hmm. Huh. And if you are staying home with kids, you know, and you, that's your life, which is very challenging. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Super um, hard. No matter how they make it seem on Facebook, it's hard, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's your point of connection or that's the adult interaction that you have during the day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to take that away from you too. <laughs> it's, just, oh. it's so cruel. It's like, oh man, that's very sad. So mm-hmm. isolating. And just to throw it out there for conspiracy theories that Leslie, what's going on during these 10 days that women are fasting from social media? Okay. So there was a lawsuit filed, a civil suit, I believe. I believe it's a civil suit. I might be, I might be wrong on that. I got need to check, but it is against president Nielsen's daughter and son-in-law, her husband. So President Nielsen has a daughter. She married someone. It's against this couple uh, for child sexual abuse. And there ah. is seven, seven people that are in this lawsuit. They're unnamed right now, but they have come together. Supposedly there is uh, evidence of this and hard evidence. And um, it was old accusations but with new evidence, they're able to bring it up again to light. So um, they filed that on Wednesday. I believe that they have 10 days to respond. So the other party has 10 days to respond in court documents to those allegations. And once that happens, I'm sure that their response, those documents will be reported on, on the news, on social media, etc. So I find that convenient that President Nielsen is the one that is issuing this challenge to stay off of social media. And that's kind of where the news broke and uh, where it will be continuing. And only for women. Yeah. I just, what? Oh, keep going. I'm just going to be dry keeping. It's like, it's only for women, which we already know because we have seen that men have a very hard time believing abuse. Not not men, not all men. Not okay. all men. Here, don't you me. But yeah, men are not the issue. Men are not the ones that are prying into these cases and taking a second look at them. They're not, you know, they're not the ones to typically do that. So the fact that it's only women, women stay off. Oh, the men can be on. They'll discredit it enough for us. And we're gonna, you know, be on our merry way. It's just weird. It's just a... We'll say orthodox believing brainwashed, closed-minded men in the LDS church. Yeah, I don't know how to say that because there are, there are like, there are a lot of really great men that are doing a lot of important work on it, but I think as a whole, they sort of took the two populations, you know, hey, let's give this challenge to women because you know, they're, they're more likely to kind of see the issue maybe, or they're more likely to care. Right. Right. So yeah. And it's, 
you know, the disproportionate amount of men versus women speakers for a conference is so sad. It's, it's, um, I find it very sad when you bump it up against like what's happening, what's happened this week in politics and like with the Kavanaugh hearings and, you know, men kind of being a little more, I guess, um, at the center of that. And it's, you know, it's just like, really, really, I mean, you couldn't throw us a bone and have, you know, maybe something like 30% uh, female speakers. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Um, I mean, not, I mean, I'm not even saying half and half. I'm not, I'm not even approaching 50. I'm just saying, you know, something where it, it can make women realize that their voices are important. And also men, men realize that women's voices are important. Yeah. And there was a screenshot I saw floating around today of one of the leaders of the church talking to women saying that we want to hear your voices. We need to hear your voices. And then it was just supposed by the stack up of how many women spoke in conference to how many men. And it's like, don't even say that you need our voices when you don't even we're our voices are not welcome to be speakers. We're at one of all of the speakers that spoke in general conference, there was one woman in general conference. One. Was she the token woman now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm just, yes. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just going to destroy that for you and say yes. <sighs> yeah, it's really sad. And it's interesting because I think it was uh, Nelson that said that, that said, we need your voices, women. But yeah, I feel like that's, oh yeah, President Nelson say, we, your brethren, we need your strength. We need your conviction, your conversion, your ability to lead, your wisdom, your voices. We need women who are organized, women who can organize, women with executive ability, who can plan and direct and administer, women who can teach, women who can speak out. And we need women who can do all the emotional labor. That's what he's saying. <sighs> quietly but we just with, don't, don't want to hear you at general conference so do it all yeah. of the rest of the days but just not during general conference right and earlier in the in this episode you said leslie quiet dignity that's what they're looking for <laughs> quiet dignity yeah, i wish i could remember the exact term that elder oaks said it just like was yeah nauseating for like a woman that's trying to raise strong girls I have girls and I don't ever want them to feel like they have to sit there and look pretty and that's how they're going to get what they want in life, yep. you know, and put up with something that they, that they, it should, they shouldn't put up with. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's problematic. And I think it's just, you know, these quotes, these quotes that say, Hey, we're pro woman, you know, we love women who can do all these things and we need your talents it's lip service because you look at their actions. I mean, for the, you know, the conference where everybody is supposed to listen and where the prophet is speaking and where their revelation is given, you know, one woman in the mainstream conference is speaking. Yeah. That it's un, it's unimaginably unequal. It's ridiculous. I, it's, I'm speechless. It's okay. So we have two minutes, ladies. 
you want to give me your your one minute wrap up each and then we can say goodbye marie do you want to give us your your what the fuck take uh, my what the fuck take is that that I, re- I sincerely hope that the leadership of the church someday recognizes that women are important more than just in words, but in actual actions. Because if the way that you be the right kind of Mormon is by, is through works, how about you turn uh, just even an, inso- an ounce of that effort into making sure that women are important? Amen. Leslie. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And just piggybacking on that, I think that we are setting a precedent for going down a road that is not healthy. And it is problematic when we see what is happening with sort of the um, eraser of women and, and their voices and their thoughts and their insights and even their needs, putting their needs kind of aside. Um, for men in their pedestals. Um, That's very sad. It's very sad. And not only is it sad to see this perpetrated on the women in the church, but to me, it's also sad to see it perpetrated on the men and the boys in the church. Because I, I want, I mean, toxic masculinity is a problem within patriarchal systems. So we're just perpetuating that and it's not okay. It's not okay. It's got to stop. You know, it's, it's, um, it causes sexual violence and dysfunction all over the place and it's just not healthy. That's it. <laughs> well, thank you ladies so much for getting together. It was a pleasure. We're have to, we'll have to do it in real life and then we'll have to plan our next episode. Yes, of- please. This was a blast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you, Leslie. Yeah, nice meeting you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that wraps up today's topics. We are so glad you stopped by. Be sure to join the Mormon Happy Hour on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you smiled, please drop us a five-star review wherever you found us. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.